That's what I do. I drink and I know things. The end is coming. The final season of Game of Thrones is here. And there is an entire shelf full of ales and spirits, inspired by the show, created by fans for other fans to enjoy. So here is a podcast of ice and fire, hastily thrown together by three guys who were looking for an excuse to drink at work. From different houses they have come, three men too lazy to take the black, but ready to dodge the wildfire every week and chat about the end of a legend. This is We Drink and We Know Things. Now, the three guys who took the boar that killed King Robert and roasted it on a spit with their buddy Hot Pie. Now the three guys who are still arguing about which of them is the mountain, the hound, and reek. Brad King, Zach Miller, and Tommy Lee. Alright, welcome to the, uh, at least for a little while, uh, the final episode yeah. of We Drink and We Know Things. We still need to convene the Secret Council and figure out what we're doing next. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find something else to uh, drink and know things about. Uh, obviously, uh, today we will be reviewing the finale, the grand finale of uh, the uh, series, Game of Thrones. The Iron Throne was the title of the episode, mm-hmm. Season 8, Episode 6. The series finale. Um, introduce yourself, sir. Yes. Oh, good Good call. I'm Brad King. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm Tommy Lee. And I'm Zach Miller. <laughs> Um, before we get into the episode, uh, here's what uh, we will be drinking today. Um, unlike the series, I think we may have saved the best for last. Yeah. Uh, Dalwini. Uh, sorry. Dalwini. Oh, yeah. Winter's Frost Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Game of Thrones House Stark. So this is part of a very limited edition. Uh, Sinister. House Tully, House Tyrell, House Baratheon, House Greyjoy, and the Night's Watch. Yeah, and um, I noticed when you showed me the the can earlier that the bottle came in that uh, each of those is done by a different distillery. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Cool. If you're a single malt fan, they have got you covered on a number of levels. Oban did one. I mean, just on and on and on. Uh, but uh, and Dalwini has one. But the one we're doing is the. Uh, uh, is the, is the yeah, it's, it's the Dalwini. It's yeah. the House Stark. Yeah. So, so you cool. said too, and this was something that you mentioned a while ago. But the uh, the Baratheon one comes in at a pretty penny, and I'm curious as to who the the royal Lock Lock Lockinger. Oh yeah, yeah I, no. so yeah, I, I, I'm I, curious about that myself. I picked this up uh, last week at um, Blarney Stone. Uh, the Blarney Stone on Miami in uh, South Bend. They had they they had several bottles of the House Stark. They had several bottles of the Lannister and the Targaryen. Now this was last week. Who knows uh, what their supply looks like right now? Um, but th- this was the Stark was forty five dollars. The Targaryen uh, was fifty dollars. The Lannister was over eighty dollars. And then on the very top shelf behind the counter, they had uh, House Tyrell, which was over four hundred dollars, <laughs> and they had House Baratheon, which was over 
$500. Wow. <laughs> so now a big. Brought to you by the makers of No. Yeah. <laughs> now a big part of this is obviously just the, you know, the collectibleness of this and, right. and the fact that um, they're limited edition because I was, I was looking on eBay just out of curiosity and people are selling the empty bottles and tubes for like 30, 40 bucks a piece. Wow. So, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, here's the uh, the description. Again, this is uh, Dalwini Winter's Frost Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. House Stark. In the vast cold expanse of the northern lands of Westeros, the lords of House Stark ruled as king of the north for generations. Stoic, noble, and pragmatic, House Stark swore allegiance to the Targaryen crown and kept faith for nearly 300 years and to House Baratheon when the Targaryens fell. However, overly noble Stoics can be vulnerable, and the stark words heard often in the halls of Winterfell ring true. Winter is coming. The Stark's resiliency, strength, and ability to thrive under the most intense situations are greatly shaped by Winterfell's frigid temperatures. Like House Stark, Dalwini is made in one of the highest and coldest, I'm assuming the highest refers to Bran Stark, uh, <laughs> highest and coldest distilleries in Scotland, and its extreme conditions are responsible for shaping its signature honeyed sweetness and spicy warmth. Naturally, it's best served chilled or over ice. Oh, So I think that's what we shall do. Yep, nice. sounds like a plan, and as I was just saying off the air, I, I always take my neat, but I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in with some rocks. Let's get, yeah. this, let's get this puppy going. Uh, speaking of which, well, let's let's get the other damage going, shall we? Yeah, see, I've been uh, <laughs> d- delaying as much as possible. <laughs> Should we try to start and put a smile on this and uh, do our favorite moments first? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's what we usually do. We usually lead lead with our our favorite moments, and uh, and then we'll get into the the scene by scene. Fabulous. Uh, so, my favorite moment, Zach. My, mine probably came uh, towards the end, after we got to see the the happy scenes, you know, play right. out before us. And my favorite moment was John reuniting with Ghost. Ah, yes. I, I finally got yeah, to pet. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> and he finally got a pet. Yeah. <laughs> finally got petted on the head. Yes. Very, very true. Yeah, well, uh, here's to uh, what what I believe has been a very successful podcast. More so than the uh, season, experience. probably. Yeah. There you go. Even though it made more money. So. Uh, give this a <laughs> shot here. Ooh. Ooh, nice and smooth. Wow, that is that is smooth. That is very wow. good. That is indeed. I get I get some of that honey flavor that they're yeah. pulling mm-hmm. out. Yeah, yeah, and a nice peatiness to it that you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very good. The mm-hmm. spicy warmth. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, that is uh, that yeah. is nice. The uh, it it, com- it compares with the Johnny Walker, but I like this one better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah this very is, much uh, so. This is pretty tasty. Uh, my favorite moment was Tyrion's monologue uh, I, before I, the council. Yes, uh, where he said that uh, what unites people the most is a good story, and it was a great speech, which. I also thought was very thick with irony, given what season eight has done to <laughs> right. uh, this entertainment juggernaut. But uh, to me, that was to me that was the moment, and, and that's one thing you could always count on with Tyrion throughout this whole series. There's always a good speech in him, right? So, um, my 
My favorite moment was probably the credits. <laughs> <laughs> the end. That was my when, second place. <laughs> when, when it was over, you know, when it, when it came to a stop. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, right before the end, probably Sansa uh, being declared queen in the north. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. I, that was that was a cool moment, and that was that that was one of the few that felt right to me. Yeah. The yeah. North breaking apart from the rest of the realm, kind of, and um, well, just just her being declared queen in the North, yeah. and you know, she the moment where she finally got the very tin looking tiara, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it was those looked like a crown that you'd find in a cereal box or something. At first, I thought, <laughs> I'm like, dude, <laughs> Winterfell was was uh, was decimated by the, the yeah, Night King and the and the very short long night. Well, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> they they probably had to put it together pretty quickly, <laughs> right? They don't have a lot of supplies left. All right, yeah, that, 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 that was a very strong moment of come up and you know finally she gets what she deserves. Yeah, she's in charge in the north. Yeah. Um. So okay. So you know those are all nice moments. <laughs> and now it begins. So we uh, we open uh, right where episode five left off. Yeah, pretty pretty much immediately um, where episode five ended. Tyrion. Walking through the ashes, walking through the rubble, um, I, I, I like the uh, the overt symbolism of him walking directly past the giant bell because the bells, yes, the bells. <laughs> it's almost like it would have been great if he just shot the bell and looked like <sighs> <laughs> you were supposed to save us. Yeah, but yeah, I'm strolling through the carnage, lots of dead kids. John and Davos want to go to the castle with him, but he wants to go alone. He needs some closure, and he knows what he's going to find there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, John and Davos encounter Grey Worm and some of the Unsullied, preparing to execute Lannister soldiers. Yeah, the prisoners. Yeah, in the streets. And John and Grey Worm, you know, they they start facing off. They start butting heads. And this is again kind of a. Uh, a weird thing of this, you know, really pushing, you know, now Grey Worm as well, pushing him as a hardcore villain. Yeah. You know, yes, the the loyalty to his queen is true to his character, but right. but him as suddenly this bloodthirsty, uh, you know, very, you know, very angry bad wow. guy. You yeah. know, it just, it didn't. We're supposed to believe that the that the death of Missande has completely shifted everything in his brain. Right. But I, I liken it to the moment in, I think it was season six, right before he was coming, they were coming across the water and they, they had the two masters and the masters had to decide which one would die. Yeah. And then he did that trick with his arms where he like took two blades and sliced two of the masters throat. And left one living. Yeah, that's true. I I I saw it as okay. He he is literally her drone, and sh- he will do whatever yeah. Daenerys says. So that's that's where I I kind of differ in that. Um, you know, now yes, we've seen him kind of fall in love, and and we've really enjoyed getting to know him better as a character, especially with Masandi. But right. now now that she's dead, I I think he's gone back into full force. Unsullied. I'm I'm drone. Yeah, yeah but yeah. John, as you said, wants a more honorable end to the hostilities. Grey Worm ain't having it. Uh, the two of them get into a uh, almost a physical fight yeah. over it until Davos steps in and stops it from escalating. As John walks off with a kind of "well, we'll see about that" attitude, almost like he's he's going to go talk to Danny about what's going on. Soon as he starts to walk away, 
Grey Worm yeah. just starts slitting throats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyrion gets into uh, the what is left of, of the castle. Yeah, the ruined catacombs, if you will. And uh, he climbs his way through, finds a golden hand uh, sticking out of the rubble. So he starts pulling bricks and knows he finds everything what, attached what he's to it. Find. Yeah, he finds finds Jamie and, and finds Cersei. What um, the one thing that struck me, which um, I, I was was a credit once again to the casting job that they did, because when. He, uh, when Tyrion initially picked up the first rock, it's Cersei's face that he finds first. Yeah, I, I legitimately thought it was Jamie, and because I had forgotten for a moment that Jamie had the beard and everything now, mm. so it was just, it was just that struck me of, of what a great job they did as far as casting these two as twins. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. they're just in that moment, um, like brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, they really it, do. Look a lot alike, and the fact that it was hand, then her face, then his face indicates that they were holding each other at the end. Right, right. Which is very sad. Which is what he, Jamie, always said he wanted to do. Yep. And uh, and Tyrion grieves. He grieves hard for, and we see it for what twenty, thirty seconds. I mean, he's yeah. mm-hmm. he is completely um, falling apart at the at the sight of his dead siblings. So. Yeah. Yeah. Very very upset. Uh, after that, um, we do get um, a very, very cool visual moment. Probably one of the best of the series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, re- really was. With Danny's flying overhead, uh, lands Drogon, and you see in the background her walking up, and Drogon is is behind her mm-hmm. and spreads her wings or spreads his wings. But the way they they shot it, the way they framed it, you know, the wings, it's a little on the nose, but, yeah, but it's a really cool visual because the wings look as if they're coming out of Danny, and Danny is, the, you know, now the full dragon queen. Uh, she goes out, she gives a very bloodthirsty speech in first in Dothraki, then in Valerian, uh, where, you know, saying. We're gonna. We liberated these people. Yeah, we, yeah. We, mm-hmm. We've liberated the people of King's Landing. There's nobody left. You you burned them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's using the word liberated and she liberated she, them from their lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then says we're gonna and we're not stopping here. The war the war is not over. We're gonna liberate the people of Dorne. We're gonna liberate the people of Essos. You know, starts running down the whole list um, and. Again, a lot of really cool visuals yeah. in this scene. Um, you get a, a really cool shot of where where Danny's up giving the speech, and the ruins of King's Landing are behind her. You have a massive Targaryen banner hanging on one side. You have Drogon sitting atop mm-hmm. a, a building on the other. You have the the vast armies of the Unsullied and Dothraki all cheering and stomping their spears. So I, I do have to give it up to them in, in oh, yeah. that respect is visually really re- much like last episode, you know, some great visuals. I wrote down very cool shot of her walking up with dragon wings spreading out behind her. Likely going to be the last truly stunning shot of the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I said at this point, I want a chunk of blue ice to drop out of a passing airliner right now and hit her in the head like in six feet under. <laughs> but alas, this is a world without such things. Um, I thought her victory speech was spooky as hell. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as was the fealty of his of her warriors. I mean, right. they were they were all in. And she is... Notably and noticeably, positively giddy about 
her mass murder and spelling out the next steps for their conquest of liberating as many people as possible from their lives. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. I noted that, you know, she seemed uh, quite pleased with herself yeah. and, and, and what, you know, what she has done. I, I, uh, I thought of Star Wars, The Force Awakens, when they have all the, the uh, stormtroopers and whatnot with the new empire, right, uh, yeah, yeah. the new world order. And I, I just, that, that visually was super cool with the flag hanging over there. Right. But obviously you could tell what they're trying to do is make her look like a, a dictator yeah, oh, that yeah. has then, that's her symbol is right. the, the dragon with three heads. Yep. And, you know, and John, John just standing there, yeah. not not going to do a thing. Yeah, John, yeah, John is is standing there, looking very uneasy. Um, as as Arterian and Arya. Yeah, Arya is is kind of off in the crowd, mm-hmm. looking very uneasy. Tyrion looks like he's about to vomit all yeah. over everything, and uh, she finishes her speech. Uh, Tyrion walks up next to her, dutifully. And, yeah, and she says, uh, "You committed treason. You freed your brother." And he says, yes, I freed my brother, and you massacred a city. Yeah. And he pulls off his hand of the queen pin and tosses it defiantly down the steps. And all the unsullied that were, they were, you know, stomping their spears. They all uh, stopped. Yeah, in unison for her speech, all stopped because they're all like, ooh, shit, what's going to yeah. happen next? <laughs> you can almost hear all of them go, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, of course, what happens next is... She has him arrested. Yeah, which I, I have to admit was a little surprising. I thought, at that point, I thought it was going to be Dracarys and Drogon was going to, you know, was going to burn and him I'm alive. And I'm the same way. Um, I wrote a note at the end of my notes that at no point other than this did I think for a second that Tyrion was going to be killed. Uh, because if she didn't do it right then and there in front mm-hmm. of everybody to teach them a lesson about what happens when you defy her. right then he was going to rot in that cell until he was eventually freed. There was no way that he was going to be executed later on. If it yeah. wasn't instant, it wasn't going to happen. And it, it, I was right. I mean, it was mm-hmm. instant instant gratification on that or nothing. Yeah. And she chose nothing. Yeah. She has him tossed in the cell. Uh, John goes and visits Tyrion in the cell. And this, and this was a good scene as well. You, it really was. You had um John still stupidly, you know, defending her and saying mm-hmm. she's our queen. Yeah. Uh you know, he says I'm not going to try and justify what happened, but the war is over now. And Tyrion correctly points out, did that sound like the words and the response of, of someone who's of, done fighting? Yeah, of people that feel the war is over. And and granted she actually said the war is not over mm-hmm. i'll cut john some slack because i i'm assuming he doesn't speak dothraki or valerian <laughs> right so he may not have understood the words but you can certainly understand the tone yeah. that that she's delivering that speech in and that right. they, these warriors are responding well and he responded to he, his ears kind of perked up when she said winterfell and dorn in her speech like mm-hmm. he's like oh right huh. uh aren't those our allies yeah yeah. that's where I'm from. And right, uh, Tyrion, to his credit, he does not try to just talk John out of it because, well, you saw what she did. He very methodically lays out, look, here is what she's done. He, without endorsing Danny's madness, he tries to explain it or at least define it for him so that he can see it from another angle and see it more clearly and see what needs to be done. John, however. There's a strong possibility he insists at one point that Sansa and Arya will bend the knee. <laughs> 
<laughs> at, at which point I'm just like, oh, I, come on. I mean, my, there's my I, note was John really is stupid. I, I wrote down there's a strong possibility that John is too stupid to sit the throne or even be the master of Winterfell at this point because he's still so loyal to her at the end of their yeah. conversation. But he leaves thinking that he needs to see for himself what's going on. And when Tyrion was was running down that laundry list of things he did, that was Tyrion talking directly to the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. He, when he said, you know, she she crucified the slave masters and marines. She did, you know, she's burned people alive. She's this is this. a pattern. She's mm-hmm. done that. She's done all these things. And all along, we've cheered her for it. Mm-hmm. We made her our hero. That's him talking to the audience and mm-hmm. saying... You know, that, that's at least their attempt yeah. to say, hey, you should have known all along what this she is. the culmination. Is. Yeah, because right. you, got, you got behind her as she was doing all these things. But as has been pointed out by us, by multiple bloggers and people on Twitter and everything else, there there was always, for the most part, some justification for the people that she has killed in the past. Yeah. You know, the, the the people that she has killed in the past, and obviously it's, this is a, you know, yeah. slippery slope and a free and slaves tight, consolidating tight her power. we're trying to, to walk here. Right. But within the world of this show, when she's, you know, slave masters, evil men, you know. Dothraki overlords. Right. Yeah. You know, all these people, they, you, there there is a justification for it, and, and those people with the exception of maybe the Tarleys, were pretty much painted as evil, as as the yeah, bad guys. I would mm-hmm. agree. You know, it, that's it's a far cry from innocent women and children, right? And you know, in, the, there. in yeah, in the in the streets of of King's of Landing, which there were so many. Yeah, um, I also liked the the comment of um, Tyrion to John. I know you love her. I love her too, not as successfully as you. Yeah, that was that was a good line. I believed in her with all my heart. Love is more powerful than reason. John counters with "Love is the death of duty," quoting Master Aemon mm-hmm. way back in the earliest days of the series, was yes, season one. Season one, yes. Yeah. And then Tyrion says uh, the 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 big prodding attempt that he makes here. Sometimes duty is the death of love. Yeah, I almost would have switched that. Sometimes death is the duty of love. If he's really trying to drop the hint. Right. But uh-huh. uh, either way, it was a really nice interaction between the two of them. The imp seeming to really make the case for John to kill Danny because he can't. He's in a cell. Right. Yeah. And, and as as Tyrion says, you know, do you think I, I will be the last man she executes? You know, and yeah. and to make Which it, is a great point to mm-hmm. make it even clearer. He says you have a claim to the throne. You will always be a threat to her. Yep. Yeah. Meaning. Uh, you're probably next, pal. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? <laughs> and John immediately goes to see Danny, who has probably the most effective watchdog possible guarding the door. <laughs> yeah, Drogon. <laughs> um, Drogon lifts his head. He gives the rightful heir of Dragonstone a pretty good sniff. Yep. <laughs> and then allows him to stroll past. Yeah. Yeah. And the the, the visuals uh, again were were very stunning because he's walking through, and on the one hand, it's it looks like a lot of snow. It looks like winter has come to King's Landing, but, but it's ash. It's it's ash, yeah. you know, continuing to fall. Yeah, Drogon was laying there, and he was covered in. Yeah. It. He was completely yeah. coated. Yeah, he, he literally yeah. looked like winter had come. <laughs> right, he, he had to shake himself off from from all the ash. And that yeah. answer also answered the question from season two when we see mm-hmm. the the petals just snow or ash falling from the ceiling in the House of the Undying, and we now realize that was ash that. 
Well, she got what she wished for. Somebody pointed out on Twitter that is actually a little bit of retconning on the show's part because in that vision, in that original vision in season two, you can actually see icicles. Oh, really? So, oh, so, really? In, so the, in the vision, <laughs> at least originally, they, that was clearly intended to be snow. Now, Interesting. Know, a little bit of a retcon or, or what yeah. have you. But we still we get that scene now, finally. Yeah. This this vision that Zach's been talking about every episode. <laughs> right. But we all have, you know, and, and, uh, and it's been talked about online. And she she walks in. She gets this this big smile on her face as she tears of joy sees, in her eyes. Yeah, sees the throne, and she reaches up and she actually touches it. Unlike the vision, she does yeah. not turn away. Yeah, she touches it, and then John comes in, and to John's credit, is rightfully very angry and mm-hmm. calls her out on it. Calls her out on what she's done. It's also worth noting the entire throne room is completely jacked up. The wall behind it is missing. The wall to her right is missing. The ceiling is it's, gone. It's all been dropped by the battle. <laughs> a lot of sky is visible and yeah. this is going to become very important in about a minute and a half. Yeah. So they, you know, they John is confronting her about what she's done. She's trying to defend it and saying that uh, you know, Cersei used those people as a weapon against me, so they weren't innocent. And uh, uh, you know, I know, I know what is good. Yeah, we said. get to choose what's good. You know, in the in the world to come. Right, right. And she's begging John to, you know, to join me, and together we will rule. And she's all smiles, yeah, and all proud and defending her actions. And the the big. The big moment is John asks her, well, what about all the others that might have a different idea about what is good? Mm-hmm. And her answer is, they don't get to choose. Yeah. And that that was it for John. He's mm-hmm. been looking for any last glimpse of real sanity within her, any reason to still really believe in her, and there's there's nothing there. It's like the scene in A Bronx Tale where the girl leans over to unlock the door. You know, it's like, ah. You're one of the good ones. She doesn't reach over to unlock the door. She's right. all about Danny. Yeah. So, yes, that's right. I, I just made a comparison between a Bronx tale and Game of Thrones. I feel very proud of myself. I, Damn movie's been on AMC like five times in the last week. I just found it so interesting that she was always like, I'm going to be the one to break the wheel. I will mm-hmm. break the wheel. But she just absolutely destroyed the wheel and then became the wheel herself. Right. Yes. And, God, thank you. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I just I just felt like her plan was not breaking the wheel. It was more of the same. And I think that maybe that's where they were going with, you know, her character and and starting out she had good reasons to do what she did and like you mentioned, you know, it was it was because of those evil men, you know, that were slavers or, you know, somebody would always do something that hurt her along the way so of course she was just getting them back for all that she had been through but now we realize that oh she she just wanted the wheel for herself basically plus plus, you know this was a big moment in building for her um her entire life and her brother's entire life her created um have led to this moment and she reaches out and touches it it's really real and she she remembers trying to remember uh oh it was um she she remembers um Stories of how it was a thousand swords melted together and right. how hard it is for a child to think of what a thousand swords looks like. And here it is. And it was right before she sat down that she turned around and started talking with John. Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily think that she all along wanted the wheel for herself. I think what happened, or at least what the show 
trying to say, it, you know, happened is that is basically she, you know, she started reading her own press. Yes. She started. Mm-hmm. She started buying into her own hype, you know, of, of all these, you know, all these people telling her, "You're the savior. You're the one. You're the chosen one." All of this, and and then when it, you know, when it got down to it, she she bought into all of that, yeah, and and convinced herself that the as she said to John, you know, how can we how can we create a new world when. There are still men that ser- left alive that serve the old world, you know. So, right. this was her attempt at justifying the, the mass genocide that she just committed. Because, hey, they they all believed in the old ways, so everyone must be eliminated. And as much mm-hmm. of a traditionalist as John is, his first thought is, "I can't let her live." Right. Mm-hmm. And so he he says uh you will always be my queen he gets all teary-eyed they kiss yeah and as as soon as he said you will always be my queen i went yep. oh yep. shit past tense here we go <laughs> yeah yeah this sounds like a goodbye to me mm-hmm. and sure enough they kiss and he does right with the dagger her. yeah right in the heart yeah uh, right in the heart lays her down drogon immediately senses something's going on because you Hear him start growling and roaring, yep. and he comes in, and this was an an interesting scene as well because Drogon comes in, and it was I, I will admit it was kind of sad as he's mm-hmm. he's doing the Lion King, you know, kind of nudging her, you know, mom, yeah. mom, pops mm-hmm. in through the ruined you know, wall, and uh, yeah. yeah, and then he he realizes she's dead, looks at John. Starts growling, bears his teeth. John steadies himself, stands thinks, up and faces you know, him. Here, okay, here it's coming. And Drogon melts down the throne for some reason because dragons understand symbolism. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> and while we're at it, ladies and gentlemen, Brad King. Thank you. I did call that part. No one sits the Iron uh, Throne. I did yes. call that. Thank you very much. Um, I, did, I, I did horribly on the deaths, but I called the throne. <laughs> I. Um, I thought it was uh, it was thick with with hinting that John, you know, how John was brought back by the Lord of Light for some believed great purpose back in season six. It feels like this was what the great purpose was. I mean, everything else that he's done, everything he's been through, the great leader he's been, uniting the North and blah mm-hmm. blah blah, has all led to his purpose for coming back was to end the the war that would have destroyed Westeros. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I give it up to them for putting that together, but still at the same time. The death kind of felt unimpressive, kind of like Cersei's yeah. last episode. Again, I mean the the number one problem with this season and and last season in particular has been it's it, it's all been rushed. Yep. It, and you know this this could have been it could have been so much better. And and I, I think people would not have been nearly as upset if they had taken the time necessary. To build this up, flesh the stories and, out. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Danny is literally killed now within thirty minutes of the end of the last episode. You know, it's it's yeah. within the first thirty minutes of this of this episode. So her, all of this stuff feels like there should have been so much more time taken, and if they were going to go this route and. As we discussed last week, you know, Zach and I, you and I both felt that this probably is coming from George, that Danny is is going to turn. Yeah. 
if they had taken more time to build that up so that it became more of a will she or won't she? Wow, which way is she going to go? You know, and the, and and planting those seeds and really, may, you know, really laying out the case for how she is getting more drunk with power, mm-hmm. how she is buying into her her own hype more, and put it get it to a point where it's a real question in the audience's mind: Could Danny really do this? Could she really go bad, or is she going to stay the hero? Instead of just dropping it on us to the point where Amelia Clark even says in an interview that when she first read the script, she said, what? What are they doing? This came out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. that's her. She quote. ran to her mom. Yeah. Exactly. She like could, basically could not handle it. Right. Because I mean, yeah. it did. It came out of left field, I think, for a lot of us, especially that have been so invested in her story. That has taken they they did her justice. I think a full six, even seven seasons mm-hmm. up until then this this final season, and mm-hmm. it's, it's like snap. She's suddenly we got we at, were then in the wrong for not noticing it over the course of the entire time. Yeah, I think I mentioned um, my mother has only started watching this season because my sister's been watching it at her house. Right. Uh, so mom who listens to this podcast pretty faithfully, even though she has no idea about 90% of the crap that we talk about, <laughs> she, um, I apologize for the language. <laughs> she's heard worse. Um, she's been talking about how, you know, the show's kind of interesting. Maybe she'll go back and watch the earlier seasons, get the context and understand the story. And after season five, it was such a dramatic and just horribly scarring thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Mom's like, you know what? I have no interest in watching the rest of it. And after episode five, yeah, and mean? she probably, yeah, after episode five, and she said, and she probably wasn't going to watch this episode last night either. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, she was that turned off by the way it happened. And I said, yeah, a lot of us were, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so, but one other thing, by the way, quite a visual when uh, when Drogon carries Danny off in his talons. Um, it was very nicely done, and there was this really cool, sad violin. Uh, again, I noticed the music. Yeah. Um, oh, the music a, is fantastic. Yeah, a really cool, sad violin version of the main theme as they depart, which I don't think they've ever actually used before. It just sounded really, really different and really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I enjoy it. I uh, enjoy all of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. and so apparently, uh, John, I'm assuming, again, because he's an idiot, must have confessed mm-hmm. and admitted that he stabbed Danny. Because yeah, we don't even get to see the aftermath right away. <laughs> right, we don't we don't see the aftermath. They cut ahead to like three or four weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. Tyrion's in a prison cell still. Uh, John is in a prison cell. Um, so because that was my when when Drogon picked up Danny and flew off with her, my first thought was he's he's leaving with the evidence. Yeah, <laughs> John's John's in the clear. Nobody nobody saw him do this. So when the Unsullied, when Grey Worm comes in, he goes, I, Drogon picked her up and flew off. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. I think he was going to eat her. Yeah. He I'm looked go, hungry. Go get that dragon. Yeah. Uh, y'all go chase that dragon. He you also know. had a dagger. I don't understand how he was holding it, but it was there, like in his teeth. She yeah, sat uns- on the throne wrong, and then right, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the throne stabbed her. <laughs> right, the Unsullied would have chased out of the city, and you know that would have been it. That would have been the end of it. Uh, but yeah, a few weeks have gone by, and Grey Worm fetches Tyrion from the cell. Grey Worm does not look happy, but when the hell does Grey Worm ever look happy? Honestly, right. since Missandei died. Yeah. 
Uh, and he, he fetches him to the old dragon arena from season seven, where we learned about the dead and everything else. The old uh, the old fight gladiator area. The dragon pit. Where, yeah, thank you, the dragon pit. Where the heads of what's left of the major houses have all assembled. And Sansa notes that she also demanded that John be brought to them, too. And Grey Worm says, he's a prisoner. Well, uh, so was Tyrion, but whatever. Um, we learn that a few weeks have gone by, and the Unsullied are all but about to go to war with the rest of Westeros at this point, and the collective armies of the North and whatnot. The Iron Fleet, however, noticeably, um, and notably, still loyal to Danny, Yara defending her from freeing her people from a tyrant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, so you had, um, on, on this council, you had Samuel Tarly, mm-hmm. uh, you had Edmure Tully, um, what, according to some people on online, was Howland Reed, mm-hmm. um, Mira and Jojen Reed's father, who we had have not seen at all other than in that flashback at yeah. the Tower of Joy. Uh, Sansa, Arya, Bran, Stark are all right. there. Brienne of Tarth is there. Right. Uh, Robin Aaron, who <laughs> I legit thought was was portrayed by a different actor at this point. Yeah. Because, <laughs> May have been. Uh, it, it was the same dude. It, yeah. was, it was the same dude. My I'll wife goes, who is that? Yeah. I was like, remember the guy breastfeeding on his mom in season one? That's that guy. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens right there. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, who else was on on this council? Um, the the guy from the uh, Vale. I I don't know his yeah. name. He's kind of oh, like the general yeah, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, he was there. Um, I don't know. There were a few others on the other side. Yeah. Did you you mentioned Edmure? Yeah. Yeah. It could hold Edmure Tully. Can't <laughs> so, have them an important meeting without him. So, oh gosh. And and that uh, so and this scene was. I will get to the Edmure <laughs> thing in a second. Yeah. Um. They bring out Tyrion, and, and this is where it, again, there's no there's no friggin' logic here. No. They bring out Tyrion. He's a prisoner. He says one word. Grey Worm snaps at him and says, you, you, you don't get to speak, prisoner. Somebody else on the council says, no, we want to hear what he says. Grey Worm goes, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then not only that, Tyrion starts to run the meeting at that point. And, right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? You know, you, you can kill me. You cannot kill me. But somebody has to be in charge to make that decision. Right, mm-hmm. so, so you got to find somebody. You got to pick a ruler, and and Grey Worm goes, okay, choose. Yeah, y- y'all pick somebody. I don't care who. You know, whatever. Why in the world <laughs> does Grey Worm suddenly agree to them? Okay, go ahead, pick a ruler, and then basically say, I'll agree with whatever. Yeah, you know, whoever makes, you pick, it, 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 there's, it makes no sense. It's all for the the sake of expediency. Mm-hmm. At this point, I, yeah, there's there's no logic there at all. So, TikTok people, we got ten minutes to wrap this scene up. Right. right. <laughs> so Tyrion makes this big pitch, uh, you know, to to choose to choose a king or a queen. Uh, Samuel Tarly gets up, proposes democracy, and is literally laughed off the panel. <laughs> yeah, which uh, is which is funny given that this show has spent so much time devoting itself to the will of the people. Right. And then at the end, they laugh off the idea of yeah. of, 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 of a vote, of an election. Right. Who would vote? Which, <laughs> which, granted, I mean, would have been, if they all accepted it, that would have been pretty damn corny, too. It really would have. You know, I agree. For, for them in this world to make that, yeah. to make that kind of I suppose somebody would have had to have proposed this at the meeting, and it makes sense of anybody. It may as well have been Samuel Tarly. Yeah. 
Um, Edmure gets up, and, <laughs> and this and and this was my favorite line of the episode. Edmure Tully, who has long been nothing but a, a punchline in this show, just a just a joke all the way around. <laughs> he gets up and he starts disappoint. to make this awful pitch on why he should be king, and he's just rambling on. My journey is blah 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 yeah. blah blah. You know, no one's buying it, and Sandra just goes, Uncle. Please sit down. Yeah, yeah. please sit down. <laughs> Kim at that point said, who is that? And I said, you can see the fish on his collars. I said, that's their uncle. That's Ed Mertulli. That's their mom's brother. And she goes, oh. <laughs> like, yes, she remembers him, too, as being useless. He was the uh, the groom at the Red Wedding. Yes, he was. He, yeah. he was. <laughs> Useless prisoner, uh, God, right, always. Yeah, but that was that was great. He uh, he gets laughed down even harder than Sam does, really internally by everybody. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, but then somebody says, "Well, why don't you do it?" And Tyrion does not want the throne, even though now he is technically the head of the Lannister house. Right. Um, he's like he says, half of Westeros hates me for serving Danny, the other half hates me for betraying her. He mm-hmm. says, "There's no way that." I can do this. So he suggests instead that the only one wise enough to rule is Bran. Bran the Broken, he calls him. Now, I you cited this as, as your favorite moment, and I get why, particularly you being an author. Right. <laughs> to me, this, I... I there's again. What is the logic for Bran? There's none whatsoever. The king. <laughs> no, I, I, because, I took because it as stories because he's got a good story. What, yeah. Like huh? history repeats itself, and and if this show, like George R. R. Martin has talked about, is a reflection of ourselves, history repeats itself, and and we will always have wars. We will always have the the good versus the evil from now until the end of our day. And I think that um, that was his way of showing. So Bran's got all the memories. He's like the giver, you know, from yeah. Lois Lowry's book. He's got all the memories. He knows exactly what works, what doesn't work. He's from the, the encyclopedia Brantanica. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was the most logical step. If they were truly going to break the wheel, I thought he was the the only person that could truly break that that cycle. Plus, as Sansa pointed out, he can't father children. So, right. you know, how does Sansa know that though? I don't know. And I found that a little weird. Yeah. How does Sansa know that? uh, I checked. Right. That that part ain't working either. Yeah. But uh, Tyrion insists that Bran's the the right choice because he has the best story, the best experiences. He's the best one to lead them all into the future. And that gives us what I felt was the best line of the episode, which, again, speaking as a guy who writes, there's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Nothing can stop it. No enemy can defeat it. A really nice line. But the thought that David and DB wrote that line into this story with a straight face after what they've done to a pretty damn good story is, to me, absolutely delicious. Well, and you know who else has a really good story that was sitting up on that panel? Absolutely everyone else! (laughs) Except Tully! (laughs) It's got the worst. In particular, uh, how about the the girl that became uh, an assassin and jumped, you. jumped out yeah. of nowhere. Saved the damn world. To, yeah, to eliminate the, the Lord of Death, the, the Night King. I don't know, that's a pretty damn good story, too, yeah. I think. I mean, Sansa, the, the things that she's gone through and, and be, to become the, the, the incredibly wise and well-balanced, for the most part, ruler yeah. that she's become. I mean, literally anybody sitting there, except for Edmure Tully, who is basically a milk bucket under a bowl <laughs> in terms of how useful he's been. Um, 
of all the people sitting there, I mean, Bran might be the king of breakfasts at this point <laughs> by his name. But beyond that, I'm really not sure he, his story was the reason to put him on the, well, the uh, melted slag throne. Especially, especially considering how little attention the show has paid to him. Oh, yeah, not I even mean, a season he Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, there was, it was is it season five, season six, yeah, that he's literally not in it at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Season, uh, season five, I think. He is not in season five at all. Yeah. It just, uh, I mean, he's been largely sidelined this season. He's he's done little of importance this season. No, you know, he has all, sat there really well and been creepy. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, he you know he did nothing during the Battle of Winterfell. I, I just and he didn't want to be the Lord of Winterfell when they tried to give him that that lordship. They they basically said, "Hey, you're going to be the Lord of Winterfell," and he goes, "I do not want it. I'm the Three Eyed Raven now." You know, and basically yeah, dismissed yeah. that. Right. Like as if he knew something bigger was coming. Like maybe he engineered this whole thing. Well, um, and so that you know, and the, yeah, and that leads to another question: is how did how does it work now if you if your king is literally all knowing and all seeing? Mm-hmm. Like he knows the future, he knows the past, he can see anywhere at any time. Ward. Yeah, right. I mean. Uh, I don't know. Ethically, here, this it's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it, it it has a little bit of an odor of despotism potential to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also love that Alexander Hamilton. Oh, excuse me, Tyrion Lannister <laughs> continues to go on and spell out how the government should run from now on, and suggests that the rulers of Westeros should always be chosen on this particular spot by the heads of the houses. Oh, proposes his own form of government, what? his own plan for a new form of government. From now on, by a uh, by some form of electoral college vote, as it were. convention is listless. Right, young man. Yo, who the F is this? Congratulations, you've created the electoral college in Westeros. <laughs> well, not even the electoral college. You've, you've, collect, uh, you've created superdelegates. That's yes, what you've created. superdelegates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have 12 people. Not to mention, the guy who came up with this was a prisoner 15 minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what could possibly go wrong by entrusting uh, the 12 most powerful people in Westeros to select the, the ruler every yeah. you know, four years or whatever? Uh, it just seems a weird way to, to spell out the blueprints for what the future is going to look like in a kingdom that's been through some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tyrion, anyway, says to Bran, will you lead? And then Bran gives the reply, why do you think I came all this way? Which was basically a shiver in search of a spine. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> but they all agree that Bran should be the new king, except for Sansa, who says that she'll do it if the North, you know, you'll be a good king, my brother, but yeah. the North must remain an independent kingdom like it was in ancient times. Which is, okay, so Sansa will not even bend the knee to her own brother. To her own <laughs> brother. I mean, on the one hand, God bless her, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amen. <laughs> Sticks, you know, she sticks to her guns till the end. Yeah. Um, but at what? Why doesn't any anybody else on that panel go? Hey, you know what? I want to be independent too. Yeah. No one you else know? does. Hey, Edmer, here's your time. Stand up and say, hey, you know, the Riverlands. I it's want just, the Riverlands. They just to be didn't free. know it was a choice. You know, they were yeah. like, hi, hi. Right. This is what everybody's going around the room saying. And then she's like, ah, no, not me. <laughs> like, Damn it, I should have thought of that. <laughs> I, I almost think that Bran was the choice to rule, by the way, so that the writers could get the last laugh against all of the fan theories that have been floating around. Right. Mm. Uh, but the fact that Bran is the one who ends up ruling six sevenths of Westeros 
is bizarre, and it makes me think that Hot Pie might have actually had a shot at this whole thing after all. <laughs> I mean, Bran has had no personality to speak of for, what, a couple of seasons now? He hasn't been particularly helpful, and quite honestly, he has so much weird mystical power at his disposal that, again, he might have engineered this whole damn thing to begin with. We don't know. By the way, uh, once again, proving Vegas always knows, uh, going back to before the season began, mm-hmm. Bran was the odds-on favorite from really? Vegas to to sit on the Iron Throne. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Which means somebody knew something somebody somewhere. Knew something. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, otherwise, why in the hell? I mean, nobody. <laughs> nobody would have seen this coming realistically. picked Bran no. as, no. as no. ending up on the throne. No. But Tyrion says, all hail Bran the Broken, Lord of the Six Kingdoms. And again, yep. thank you, Westeros Electoral College. Now, why isn't... This is my other question. Uh... Yara made the deal with Danny last season mm-hmm. that the uh, that Pike that the Iron Islands were going to be free and not part of the Seven and Kingdoms, and she doesn't step up mm-hmm. to want to make them separate either. Right. So mm-hmm. we're, I, you know, yeah, just again, a, again, no, no yep. consistency. No. It's like TikTok, TikTok. We were running mm-hmm. out of time. We have less than an hour left in the series. Uh, Bran makes Tyrion uh, hand of the king. Tyrion says, "I don't want it." Bran says, "Yeah, I didn't want this." So tough cookies. <laughs> Yeah, Tyrion, I love how Tyrion argues. I'm too stupid to do it. I've made too many mistakes. Which, which this is his argument, and everyone's like, "Yeah, you have made a ton of mistakes. We're going to listen to you again, though, because this is this is a great idea." So that, that you have, have a chance now. to fix them. Yeah. <laughs> Tyrion uh, informs John that uh, after the meeting, that uh, Bran's going to send him back to the Night's Watch to make peace. The Unsullied, of course, want him dead, and. This this leads to an interesting moment where he's you know again we're in the we're in the death throes of the series it feels like now and here's John saying goodbye the unsullied all get on their boats right and uh, they're uh, they're headed off to uh, North which to me sounds like something Pinky used to say to the brain <laughs> um, well that's the that's the beach that uh, Miss yeah. Andy wanted to retire uh, to mm-hmm. so my question is are they going there to invade it or are they going there like are they going right. to serve as protectors. It's, Which again, if, that, if they're possible. serving as protectors, now we're flipping them back again to now Grey Worm and the Unsullied are good guys. Yeah, uh, you know. I'd forgotten yeah. that. By the way, Kim reminded me that that was the that that was the island where uh, where the two of them wanted to yeah. retire to. But uh, what what strikes me as weird is you know Grey Worms watching John leave. Here is the entire Unsullied on all these ships, and the man that they want to kill is getting on a rowboat. And heading out into the, (laughs) heading out into the bay. Right. It's like, yeah, what could possibly happen here? Nothing, as it turns out. Yeah. Not going to attack. But John says goodbye to his siblings, and Arya announces she ain't going back up north. Mm Mm-hmm. As as I was saying off the air earlier this morning, she's she's decided the next face she's going to wear is Christopher Columbus. (laughs) Yeah, I I wrote down uh, Arya the Explorer. (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's pretty great yeah i don't i mean where where did that come from yeah now all of a sudden Arya is wants to travel the world yeah what's west of westeros nobody knows well i'm gonna go find out i also find it by the way just convenient that nobody knows what's west of westeros when the western edge of westeros has an island that is world renowned for its navy but they've never gone Right? <laughs> they always go left? Really? Okay. So is this not a, a sphere that she's on? Like she won't eventually run into Essos then on the other side? She's going to fall off the edge like the Kansas Point uh, of No Return album. Right. Right. Uh, 
John being sent to the Night's Watch. Why the hell is there still a Night's Watch? I couldn't quite figure that yeah, out. Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. The White Walkers and the Night King are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wildlings slash Free Folk... Are all allies now. Are now allies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They help defend Winterfell, not raise it. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't get it either. I guess he's... You just have to have There's some place to send the people that were naughty. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Brienne is uh, reading through the Knights Peerage Register of the people who've come before her. She is the head of the uh, King's Guard now, and she decides to sit down with her pen and finish the entry for Sir Jamie with deep heroic detail. Yeah. Um, personally, I would have rather have seen her just wrap him up briefly and then start her own damn entry. Right. <laughs> that's the story that needs to be told at this point. Uh, all I, every all bit I as much. could think of, and you, and you made the link on, is who lives, who dies, who tells your who story. Tells your story. <laughs> Speaking of who tells your story, uh, we then switch to um, Tyrion meeting with the newly minted small council, including Samwell in the Grand Maester's robes. In a magically rebuilt King's Landing. Yes, Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, Amazing. I mean, <laughs> that part wasn't touched, probably. Yeah. But Samwell like brings, take long at all. Samwell <laughs> brings Tyrion the latest volume of the kingdom's history, which has been provided by the maesters down south, and it's called A Song of Ice and Fire. And Tyrion's concerned about which side of his decisions are going to be represented in the book. And he's not in it. <laughs> they left him out. <laughs> they left him out. Tyrion's not a factor at all, which just goes to show how important it is to consider who's writing the history books. Yeah. So the uh, which was a nice thought, a nice touch. I thought yeah. you have the small council. Uh, Samwell is now a grand maester mm-hmm. with, grand with maester two, Samwell Tarly. Two links. I thought I saw he was wearing. Okay, um, Davos is the master of ships. Mm-hmm. Bronn, for some reason, is master <laughs> of corn. corn. Well, <laughs> nobody's more obsessed with money, so I guess that yeah. makes He's sense on that hand. angle. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Davos is master of ships. Yeah, Davos is master of ships. Obviously, Tyrion is hand of the king. Brienne is yeah head of the king's guard or gold cloaks or or whatever. Um, and a couple of other chairs need to be filled at a later date. Right. So yeah, Bran comes in, asks about the master of whispers. Why he would need a master of whispers? I don't know. I don't know you either. know everything. Yeah. All right. Why do you even need a small council? He's his you own master of whispers. Know everything. <laughs> yeah. By the way, before the meeting, there was this weird moment of Tyrion arranging chairs until they were just so. And to me, it was a perfect representation of season eight, watching him do something completely unnecessary that takes up a fair amount of time. <laughs> yeah. And then the other characters come in and they all disrupt And they all disrupt them. Uh, yeah. 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 It's exactly, to me, it's the season in a, in a completely um, voiceless moment of just, you know, everything has to be just so. Nope. <laughs> well, I, t- I took it as like he, he had gotten there early or before everybody else, right. but I thought maybe he was thinking, oh, well, maybe we don't do this anymore. We don't have the small council because I was trying to think who would be even on the small council now that we have, you know, the king in the hand. Which so, many key, so many yeah. key players have gone back to their own corners. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. Before they walked in, Davos was the only one that I thought for sure would, would right. be on the small council oh, yeah. since he was good enough to survive. I, I, I took it as kind of a, a throwback to was it season two, season three, when Tywin takes over as the hand 
and one by one, all the the rest of the small council comes in, and they're all like fighting for the chair closest to Tywin. Oh yeah, yeah. And then oh. Tyrion comes in and drags slowly drags a chair <laughs> to to the opposite end of the table, so he's on equal setting with with Tywin. That was kind of what what it reminded me of, at least. But I still yeah, didn't. I, I see it. I, I, see that. I didn't get the purpose of it. Yeah. Oh, and Podrick is part of the King's Guard now. Apparently, yes, he's in sir, charge of pushing the wheelchair, Sir Pod. <laughs> um, but the most significant part about this scene is. They still didn't give us the punchline to the jackass and the honeycomb joke. I know. I know. <laughs> Tyrion starts it. was a nice it. callback. But... He started, and I thought, oh, here we go. He says, I, I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into, into a brothel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they freaking cut to the and wall. And then they, they cut to the wall. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> what at the end of that joke? It's been brought up three times now? The three or four. And yeah. I love that that emerges from an argument between Bronn, who wants the brothels rebuilt, and you would think Tyrion would be on his side for that. Um, and Davos, who says, we need a fleet. Right. Yep. And, and realistically, <laughs> let's be honest, both of them are right. you got to find a way to... And, and bro- the brothel industry is very important to King's Landing. Yeah. You have to rebuild. You have to rebuild. <laughs> but anyway, yes, we, we cut immediately rather than getting the satisfaction of having that joke finally. And to Castle Black, where John is... And, and really, we get... Scenes of what's going on with all three of the of the Stark siblings. Yeah, um, John is at Castle Black, walking through and being somewhat welcomed back by mm-hmm. the by the men of the Black. Um, Arya sets off to discover the New World. Yeah, um, Sansa's people are bowing to her as she makes the, the walk up to Winterfell for her coronation. And then we finally get the scene that we didn't get in Episode Four. Ghost gets some love for me. Yeah. Oh boy, yes, he dies. Love it. And poor thing's missing an ear, which I, I hadn't know. noticed. No, <laughs> no sense of this ear. Moment. He's got like a gouge in his face. Yeah. And, yeah. Arya, is, cuts. Arya is sailing under a mainsail with the big Stark dire wolf on it, so yep. obviously she is exploring in the name of the North. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's just weird. It's almost like they're setting up a West of Westeros sequel with her. And yeah. uh, if, if it does, I hope it's got better scribes attached to it. But <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, is, is John and Tormund. And Ghost. And Ghost. You know, they, they head out through the wall. And I've seen now, I... I took that scene as because they're followed by a bunch of wildlings or, right. or free folk. Right. Now, I initially took that as they were heading out to explore or, you know, do ranger duties or whatever. Return the wildlings to their homes, maybe. Well, and that's what, yeah. So, and I saw a lot of people online, you know, that they took it as. It, you know, is John heading out to join the the wildlings once again? Like, Rather than take so. the black again, right? No, he's leaving his post again, or you know. So I don't that you know that was kind of unclear. Yeah, like too, maybe but. he's decided to abandon his post and live with the free folk in the Westeros version of Minnesota. Because you know, I hear them crappies are biting, and them's good eating. <laughs> don't you know? Um, Find love again from a wildling woman, right? I don't know. Honestly, I half expected Drogon to show up and burn them all. It's like, oh, yeah. you know what? Nothing would surprise me at this point. Just, you know, and then credits. Yeah. But uh, no, instead we get the start of the closing credits, which again is my other choice for favorite scene. Because it means that the long, painful journey of season eight is mercifully over now. Yeah. Um. So, in the end, the show abandoned the intrigue, the pushing of boundaries, the challenge to the senses that for good or ill... It has always been, um, and has always been a part of what the show used to do best. What we got instead is Brad just tears up his notes in disgust. 
was a passable or somewhat decent finish. It was more fan service than anything. It was safe resolutions and happy ever afters, which honestly is not what I came to the show for in the first place. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, and I, I don't It was okay. I was People satisfied. People me all day. Yeah. Was I satisfied? Yeah, it was okay. Was I Was I thrilled? Yeah, I, no. I was. I was not. Tyrion lived. That's the one thing I was thrilled about. <laughs> I, I was. I was decidedly unsatisfied. I mean, it was. I. I was not as upset with this episode as I was last episode, mm-hmm. um, because I my after last episode my expectations had been lowered so much. Gopher's basement low. Yeah, mm. and I think the the disappointing part of it all is that. A lot of the places where they ended up could have made sense, again, had they given them more time. Right. Had they done a full 10 episodes last season, a full 10 episodes this season. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that right there would have been an extra seven episodes. Yeah. That would have made a massive amount of difference. Do seven more episodes. Just, uh, just uh, on that. Now, if you get a whole other season in there as well to really, you know, like I said earlier, really build up this thing with Danny and really get it to a point where the audience really doesn't know which direction she's going to go. At which point you're invested. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to just being shocked. Yeah. You're, you know, you, you really care and, and you really believe that she could go either way. And you see, you can see the arguments now, now in the aftermath Okay, fine. You watch, you know, you read enough interviews with the cast and and the writers, and you watch enough behind the scenes videos. Maybe you start to go, oh, okay, yeah, right. I kind of, I kind of get it. But you know what? You shouldn't have to do all that no. extra work for for us to understand and appreciate a massive, massive plot twist like that. Yeah. And in in the end, we weren't we weren't even shocked anymore. It was we were just along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had no illusions that Danny was going to survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I I was convinced she was going to die, and she did. Yeah, um, I didn't think for one moment that Jon Snow was going to die. Not even after he stabbed Danny and was being stared down by Drogon. Didn't think he was going to die. Guess what? He didn't die. Yeah, um, yeah. Tyrion didn't die. If it it it. it it was just, and then they fast forwarded to the part where he defended what he did, which was another uh, example of just avoiding the real world conflict that the show used to embrace. Um, in in so far as him stabbing Danny, and we didn't even get to see him defend what he did. Right, uh, right. Just, that would have been you know kind of a plus. They kind spent, of a key scene. They setting up Arya as the person who was. Oh, I'm good. Thanks. I I really need to be good. That's good stuff. <laughs> um, me and Scotch, we have a we have a relationship. I like Scotch. Scotch, Scotch, Scotch. But they set up all this time setting up uh, Arya as the person who's going to kill Danny, and then it wasn't her. I mean, a white mm-hmm. horse is a really interesting choice for a failed metaphor, and there it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. old paint. Yeah, I, I Arya barely did anything this episode. I yeah. mean, Arya was was completely sidelined. She nodded and then yeah. pissed off. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, right. And they, again, completely have tossed aside all the faceless man stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, which they didn't was, which use was, that at all. Which was a wonderful part of her storyline. Well, they spent, mm-hmm. what, two, three seasons on it? Setting it up. And then we had one big moment with the, uh, Walter, uh, Frey. With the and, Walter Frey family. 
and then it was never referenced again other than I know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And and she could move pretty quickly too. Did you notice how quickly she got up? <laughs> she to, stuck behind up on John, John again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did, I did catch that where he's like She's a sidler. Hey. <laughs> the thing from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Um overall I felt the finale was like asking for sugar at a diner and getting sweet and low. <laughs> I thought it was like looking forward to spam and finding out your mom bought treat or potted meat food product. It was like asking for a beer and finding out all they have is Natty Light. <laughs> um, and, and this is why folks come to this podcast for those kinds of metaphors, yes. ladies and gentlemen. I mean, did, thank you. Did we get closure? Yes. Did they stick the landing? No. It landed, but the plane's a total loss. <laughs> yeah. So there's really nothing to do at this point unless you've got any other thoughts. No, I mean, I I just thought that um, I was satisfied with it. But again, I get I can go to a restaurant and be satisfied by the food that they serve me. Is it exemplary if I'm at, you know, at a diner? (laughs) No, it's not. But I... um, I need to come up with a food metaphor I just think that um, there were they left more questions than they answered. Um, and I think that that's... Which is good for a show to do. Don't it, get us it, wrong. Yeah. It, 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 but you got to get some closure on some of the stuff. Yeah. yeah. They just set up... I think that what they did early on in the seasons is they set up all these questions. And all of these questions that people develop the fan th- theories. Yeah. I don't know of any other show where there's just as many fan theories as there were behind the books and the TV show as Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I mean... Even even as invested as we get into shows like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad, there's never been that many fan theories on how things are going to shape for a certain yeah. character or for all the characters. Those two shows are probably close, but yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. Game of Thrones took that to a whole other level. Yeah. I would say the, the, the biggest uh, question that they left unanswered is, why weren't there more episodes? That's yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. Again, HBO gave them carte blanche. They, yeah. HBO wanted more episodes. And they, they gave had them the budget. A year and a half. Yeah. Why seventy three? What was the magic number with seventy three? Yeah, I, I don't know. Seventy three minutes or seventy three hours. That's as long as we can go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know, but but while we're talking about numbers, let's get to. Scoreboard. Well, Zach and I predicted that Danny would die, and we finished with 11 points. Awesome. Brad said she would live, so he ends up with 10. No one else of importance died in the finale except for viewer hope and any belief that the creators knew what the hell they were doing. However, I am calling the season a three-way tie based on the fact that from the very start of this podcast, Brad was correct in saying that no one would sit the Iron Throne at the end of the series. Thank you. Drogon saw to that when he had his literal meltdown after Mommy got stabbed and turned the Iron (laughs) Throne into the Melty Slag Throne. And for that reason, I declare that we have a tie between the three of us for the season. So, well done, gentlemen. (laughs) Well done. Which, again, shows how evenly matched we really are. (laughs) Uh, Before, let's uh, just uh, real quick, um, the season rankings. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I like that. Okay, that's a, that's not a bad idea. All right. Who wants to go first? I think Brad does. Oh, all right, I'll go he first. He brought it up. Um, <laughs> I, would, I, would prob- I would probably put season one first. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I think we all are there. And then it's like, it's, it, like three and four kind of 
go back and forth for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then probably two, then six, and then probably five, seven, eight. Uh, five is so miserable though. Yeah, <laughs> it really six, was. Six was better than five, I think. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Six. Six for sure. And then yeah, probably seven. Seven eight five. Just because. Yeah. At, at least this this season had that glorious second episode. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. With the the episode right before the Battle of Winterfell. That was a fantastic episode. I think I would go pr- pretty much the same one four three two six five seven eight. I think is where I would go, and I would probably go one. One was great because it it brought you into the show, but I would probably rank three higher than one because I don't know of any show that has told a redemption story like Rob Stark's. Oh, but then there's God, just the Red yeah. Wedding, just yeah. massacres every thought or notion that this is going to end well for anybody. So right. I would probably go three, one. I love two because mm-hmm. the House of the Undying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then I would go four, six, seven, eight, five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But right. I, I know the show. The show had potential to be one of the greatest. I will say this: I, um, as painful as these last two have been, and that's been evidenced if you've listened to all of our podcasts that are on this <laughs> uh, on this uh, title. <laughs> I wish right. we had started this, uh, Under this earlier in the year. Yeah. Oh, God, so do I. So do I. would have been a great ride. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but uh, I have decided that at some point I am going to stroll back through all of them in order. I'm yeah. going to watch the whole thing start to finish just to see if the second time around I get a little bit more satisfaction mm-hmm. out of these last seasons. Mm-hmm. I doubt I'm going to. Yeah. But at least I'll have... Uh, a stronger lead in instead of yeah. having to wait 10 years for the damn thing to wrap itself up. So yeah. what do you think? Uh, what, what, what is the, what is the legacy of the show? What, what, you know, years from now, how, how, how do people view it? How do people talk about it? Is it, is it talked about as one of the all time greats? Is it talked about one of the all time? What might've been? Is it, you know, is it a, a, a Dexter, a Weeds, a Lost that, man, it was so good and then it fell off? I think it's a Dexter or a Weeds. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't I don't think so. I think it'll be talked about as uh, not as well as like a Harry Potter franchise, but what they really did was they kicked off a franchise that people will now want to stick with. You know, with the spinoffs and the sequels, possibly, who knows, in the future they might create a whole land, a Game of Thrones land. I yeah. think that for readers and viewers alike... Like a theme park. Yeah, like a theme park, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it's something... Book your that, wedding. It's got a legacy. Book <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your wedding. Come get married by the river. I think George R. R. Martin, oh, if he finishes these books, he'll God. have created a legacy of, of a Game of Thrones, much like Harry Potter, and we looked at Star Wars, and... Yeah. And Star Trek and all the other kind of series that have had now spinoffs and lunch boxes. Right. You know? I will say this. Um, I think the enduring legacy is going to be something along the lines of what happened with a show like, you know, uh, how Weeds got us to care. Weeds and Breaking Bad got us to care about somebody whose business is drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dexter got us to care about somebody whose business is being a serial killer mm-hmm. uh, yeah. um, and making it okay because we're rooting for them. 
This show took really difficult themes and still gave us characters that we could get behind, even when we were disgusted by some of the things that they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And for God's sake, how bizarre is it to think that a D&D type show, Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who don't mm-hmm. know, um, was riding high in the ratings and creating all of this discussion and love online at the same time that the world is dominated by comic book movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my my inner 12-year-old, it's like, look, dude, it's going to be okay. (laughs) That's what I'd love to say to him at this point. Someday the nerds are going to win. Yeah, I mean, it is... It, it for better or worse, you know, the show became incredibly mainstream. Yes, um, which I, I don't think anybody could have predicted. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think uh, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see as the years pass if where it sits. It, yeah, if if people's opinions on these later seasons soften, if they change, if it because you because you have four. Tremendous seasons, four of the greatest seasons of uh, of TV that we've ever seen. Season five is pretty miserable. Season six is pretty damn good as well. Mm-hmm. The, you know, so so you really you can make a really strong case that man, the first six seasons they you know they man it was fantastic. So six out of eight, you know, ain't bad. You know, you know, you know, see, yeah. it's it's the last two. So it's going to be interesting to see. How much the last two seasons really drags down the legacy of this show? Yeah, yeah. you know, and and you know, truth be told, most series they've got one or two seasons that aren't that yeah. aren't real good. You know, yeah. Sopranos season six yeah. is not good. The West Wing. We've know? talked about the West Wing over right. and over again. I dearly love that show. I hardly ever seek out what happened in the last two seasons yeah. as mm-hmm. something to watch. Yeah, I'll do it during an election year. Yeah, because it makes me feel yeah. better. I mean, Buffy, which, <laughs> which you and I have, have done Buffy. podcast episodes on. Yeah, you know, season seven I thought was terrible. Yeah, you know that that, that final season. You know, season one is okay. You yeah. know, um, but so, there's that sweet spot in the middle that was right, perfect. Right now, what what hurts this is it's you know there's so much emphasis now put on finales. Yeah, yeah. you know the last in the last ten years, ten to fifteen years, the finale has become so important and it's so there's so much emphasis put on sticking the landing mm-hmm. that it affects the you know the people's overall view of the series so people still talk about the finale of the sopranos anytime right. they talk about the sopranos right mm-hmm. right or lost breaking like, bad breaking yeah. bad yeah mad men yeah so we'll, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens but i i think i i i think unfortunately for game of thrones what these last two seasons did is it did cost it a, a, a legitimate shot at that title. It tarnished mm-hmm. a legacy, yeah. and right, and, and to and to use the metaphor, it cut off the hand and made it less than it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, you know, it, it it really had a shot at you know whatever your viewpoint is, but Sopranos, Breaking Bad. Um, you know, these are Mad some Madman. These mm-hmm. are some of the ones that are often discussed as the greatest drama series of all time. Yeah. And I feel like this had a real legitimate shot at it until these last until two these seasons. Until these last two seasons, and, yeah. and that's... And again, when it outpaced the source material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yep. book sales are going to be great. Oh, yeah. If he ever <laughs> finishes the next book. Right. Boy, if, I'm pretty sure he's going to die first. If, yeah. If he... If, if, you know, he's never... Uh, 
had motivation before. This should really get yeah. it to him. And he needs to hurry because, you know, I'm saying this as a fat guy. That brother is a steak and a baked potato away from dropping on us. He's He's got to get this work done. And he's been working on it now for eight years. Uh, yeah. Well, and just in general, George, we'd like to see you live a long Yes, we would. <laughs> if for no other Selfishly, reason. Selfishly, yes, we'd like the books, but, you know. If for no other reason, it's a stylish hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well... Well, there that's, it was. That's it. Um, this is this has been a, a tremendous amount of fun. It really yeah. has. Uh, we'll, we'll, we need to come up with. We'll we'll try and figure out uh, another, well, what we can do in the future. Yeah, another thing to uh, drink and know things about. We'll have to keep our eyes open for other kind of pop, pop culture themed uh, alcoholic beverages. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that could very well steer our decision. Yeah, yeah. So very so true. Get, uh, get working on uh, yes. some some Batman uh, themed whiskeys or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all about that. Some Marvel whiskeys would be nice. Yeah. Yes, I, I would. I wouldn't mind doing the MCU. That's twenty two movies. That'll keep us busy for a while. Is there a yeah. is there a Spider Ham's beer? Because that would have <laughs> yeah. No, but we could we could just create the correlation <laughs> yeah. by ourselves. Let's just let's just be creative. That's what we're supposed to be anyway. All right. Well, we hope uh, you've enjoyed this as much as uh, we have. Uh, this has been we drink and we know things. Yeah. I'm Brad King. I'm Tommy Lee. Zach Miller. And uh, do not unsubscribe because whatever we do decide to do later on, we'll let you know right here. Yes. Oh, and uh, once again, just to uh, bring it all back home. Uh, our uh, alcohol this week, Dalwini, Winter's Frost, Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, Game of Thrones, House Stark. If you can find this. Highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. It was good. Very good stuff. All right. Uh, we drink and we know things. Thank you. Thank you. You're a talker. Listening to talkers makes me thirsty. This has been We Drink and We Know Things. With three guys who are here to pester us about Westeros. It's produced by Tommy Lee and written by absolutely no one whatsoever. Music licensed by FirstCom. We Drink and We Know Things is part of the Federated Media Podcast Network. Winter is here, and so is their ride. Please drink responsibly. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, our watch is ended. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.